internet friends, and welcome back to Love Hate Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Bowell. And I'm Alex Ruiz, and we are here, as always, to brighten your day, anger your soul, and tell you how to live your lives in that order. And Andy, um, for the people listening, it's been like, oh, you know, the usual two to three weeks between episodes. For you and me, it's been like a month, and in that month, the world's caught fire. Yeah. I mean, this really, like, I've, I've been reflecting, like, suddenly things just the news cycle is going too fast again and like i don't want to date us here by saying where we are though i will but like for, for my point the last time we recorded it was just on the cusp of you know riots and social revolution and oh so many acab bastards uh killing innocent people and yeah, you know, it's been like a month. It feels like it's been like three and who knows I'm where so, we're going to be when this episode actually drops. I'm so mad that I decided to talk about the boondocks like <laughs> a couple of weeks before, like b- before everything turned into, you know, armed insurrection or it turned into insurrection against armed cops, just like over racial justice like why did i why did i like not wait one more episode to talk about the boondocks <laughs> i mean in, like, in fairness you, you you couldn't have known and i don't know if i mean this to be reassuring or just terribly pr- depressing but you know it's not like hundreds of innocent african-american people hadn't already been murdered when you made that episode it's just it was it was like what like two or three days before George Floyd, so eh, something like that. I don't know. We uh, you know we we took a break and and of course this is coming out like a month and a half afterwards. But you know we 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 didn't release an episode that we could have in that time because we we wanted to push people's attention towards more appropriate issues and it really didn't feel like. Uh, uh, an appropriate time to be sitting here with our jovial talk show but you know this bitch says talk show we talk it's a show (laughs) no but i'm sorry please continue well i'm just thinking about like weighing the need for levity and the need for actually being able to take a break and you know for the people listening listen to us gush about the power rangers and hate on you know the concept of freedom spoilers for uh you know the episode here (laughs) or sorry the the concept of the it's a free country uh statement no 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 no. you you heard it official stance of love hate relationship (laughs) we hate freedom (laughs) freedom is bullshit it is it is awful and we should abolish it just like police and stick around for the rest of the episode to find out how we think that's going to happen <laughs> but you know it's it's also for you and me you know it's also being able to talk and and laugh and and make jokes and stuff like the past the past month really just feels like it's been a friggin semester and mm. You know, I mean, six months ago, COVID was something that, like, you were kind of hearing about in China. Six, seven months by time of release, six months from recording, just like, god damn, 2020 has felt like 
all of high school. Well, you know, when you're 16, high school's like a quarter of your life. So That's true. it feels really long. Uh, I don't know. The past six months have felt like a quarter of my life. I just... But at the same time, you know, we're we're recording recording mid-June. It doesn't feel like it's been six months. It doesn't feel like it's been, you know, that long. But at the same time, like, every day is a new trauma. Every day is a new adventure. Every day is some old bullshit. Okay, I was talking to my counselor today, and I was basically giving this, like, hey, so when I started counseling, a big thing was that my depression was coming back because of corona. Now, like, my depression is fully on here, but, like, I'm also angry all the time. (laughs) Which is a wonderful way to pretend you don't have depression. Like, don't get me wrong, the depression is still there, 100%. But if you're angry all of the time, it gives, like, it's like your depression has a direction. Like, (laughs) instead of exploding inward in like an internalized direction, I can instead explode outward in every direction. That's my secret, cat. I'm always angry. It's the most glass half full statement I've ever heard you say. You know, the worst part is it is. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's that's like the most optimistic, happy, joyful thing that I have ever expressed. Just like, yes, I'm going to mask my depression with rage. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, boy. Oh, dear. <laughs> In fairness, I usually mask it with humor. And you're laughing right now. So I'm getting very mixed signals now because now it's like, oh, my rage causes laughter. That's the <laughs> wrong impetus. <laughs> Used to be a thing. Like it, it was a a like tried and true aspect of our friendship that just about anything you said would get like a genuine laugh out of me. I just find you terribly funny, even while you're talking about, you know, vitriolic uh, anger welling up. But, I mean, mean, who knows, man? By the time this drops, maybe it'll be the first episode of of the New World Order. Uh, 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 You know what? You know, I I wanted to say, I've been reflecting on this. I think the the reason it all feels so weird and time especially feels so just vague and nebulous the news cycle actually managed to stop for like four or five weeks where it was just nothing but covid 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 here's what's happening with italy in regards to covid here's here's what we're locking down we're shutting everything down covid 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 and then like you know as the country started to reopen the news cycle came back and we you know very quickly fell into a resurgence of revolution and you know now we're 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 getting really back into the point where it's like oh so and so's a pedophile okay <laughs> old news um so you know we went through this space where nothing was happening and now we're slamming back into the new story of the half week point so i think that's why time just feels weird sure i mean i and something i'm prepared to like i'm I'm, like i'm sitting here watching the current moment and going all right if this ends up in a history book which is uh To me, always a questionable remark, um, just because you never know who's going to end up writing those history books. Um, Fuck you, Texas. 
Uh, but I'm sitting here going, okay, the only reasonable consensus here, because we've watched these videos, these videos have happened a million times, is I think the only reason Occupy happened was because so many people were unemployed and mm. didn't have the obligations to go in to a job constantly. So the whole reason why everything reached a bubbling point and people are marching in the streets, I think, has a lot to do with the fact that you have a whole lot of people who are stuck at home without anything to do. And not to say like, oh, people only cared about it when they were bored. I don't mean that. I mean, they weren't occupied with the act of working to survive. And when that's the case, you probably have a lot of frustration. You certainly have a lot of free time. And if you happen to still have an internet access point, uh, you're probably consuming a whole lot of rage-filling content. And then we're marching in the streets. Then you burn down a police station and the police go nuts because they realize that people can burn down a police station and suddenly we have riots. Yeah, that's... That is a remarkably salient point that I hadn't put those two things together, but you know, you're, you're totally right. Free time more than anything else is the breeding space for, for people to stand up and, and take an action, whether, whether that's a good or bad action, but let's reiterate for anybody with no ambiguity Fuck all cops. Fuck all Nazis. <laughs> uh, uh, we know one CSI who uh, is certainly not a bastard, but also he's he's not quite a cop. He's a CSI crime scene photographer. So no, and and he's actively talked to me about how like oh yeah no it's worse when the cops are on the crime scene like everything's worse they just make things worse. We love you, Chris. you know what else i love and and you know what we both love we talked about this you know what else we both love oh what do we both love andrew well uh it seems we both love uh today's topic the mighty morphin power rangers oh before we talk about the mighty morphin power rangers should we talk about the format of the show we should and i was going to lead into that Oh, so hi, you're in love, hate relationship. You've made it through our, uh, ad- admittedly angry and slightly more depressive douchebag buffer than normal. And we thank you for that. Uh, and so now we're going to get into the format of the show. Every episode, one of us talks about something we love this time. I'm bringing it to the table. Uh, one of the other, one of us, Alex talks about something that he hates. And then we take your relationship questions and give our perfectly unqualified advice. Yes, thank you. Of course, man. And I have been, uh, you know, really excited to talk about this silly, silly, delightful show that I dearly love. Oh, man. And so, you know, you've you've alluded, uh, I think, a little bit on the show, in fact, and, and certainly in our private conversations, that you, like me, loved watching Power Rangers as a kid. And I'm going to say, I mentioned this to you previously, Andy, I am sure that you are going to include a drop from the excellent, excellent original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme song. And 
My mother listens to this show. <laughs> my dad occasionally listens to this show. My sister sometimes listens to this show. And I guarantee all three of them will have full body eye rolls, if not outright convulsions at the sound of that theme song. Because all of them will flash back to when I was five years old and needed to be home at 5 p.m. to watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or the entire world was going to blow up. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for the war flashbacks I'm giving your family. <laughs> but yeah, that that's a, that's a fascinating point for me, at least. And, and granted, this is the difference between like... Uh, cable in Colorado versus cable in Florida. Power Rangers was a morning thing. Like I would watch it like early ass in the morning before going to school every day. Yeah, no. See, the reruns for me were on at 5 p.m. There, okay. There is a story in my family. I promise I'll let you get to your topic. There is a story in my family where my dad, after picking up me and my sister from school, needed to run some errands, and I remember us at the at a at the post office. And I remember asking what time it was, and they told me it was like 5.01. And I had a screaming tantrum in the parking lot of this of this post office because I was not home to watch a rerun. I had already seen it. New episodes <laughs> were on Saturdays. I was not home to watch a rerun of Power Rangers. I had a screaming fit in the parking lot of this post office. I I don't think it ever got that bad for me. Though oh, I, I will I, I will share my my dark little kid Power Rangers moment a little later on. <laughs> Oh, please do. <laughs> but for, for anyone who somehow isn't familiar or maybe just needs a little bit of a reminder, certainly not your parents and sister, but The Power Rangers is an American spinoff franchise of the Japanese kid action show Super Sentai. Uh, starting in America, at least in 1994, the franchise continues to this day with a new spinoff series releasing every year or so, almost always borrowing action footage from a different Japanese counterpart show. And, you know, naturally, most people our age will lean and think about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series, which was the first um, and I think the bulk of our discussion is going to center around around that. But as a franchise, the series has lasted through countless TV shows, multiple movies, thousands of delightful toys, and at least one or mm. two surprisingly excellent comic book runs. Oh yeah, yeah. And and for context, you know, I'm 28. I was born in 1992. Power Rangers premiered in 1994. So like. As a three, four, five-year-old, I'm watching the the ending of the first series and into the start of the very first spinoff. This was like it was it was the X-Men animated series and then Gargoyles and then this were like the impetus of little babby nerd Andy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, so, so you, like I said, this was a show that I would watch, uh, you know, every morning I absolutely went as the red Ranger for Halloween one year, probably when I was Yo, like, four. 
Oh, of course. Me too. Was red also your favorite color at that point? Uh, see, I actually, uh, my favorite Power Ranger, and this is indicative of who I am as a person, was Billy the Blue Ranger. <laughs> because he was the smart one. Just like Donatello was my favorite Ninja Turtle and Ravenclaw was my Harry Potter house. Like, I always go for the smart ones. Sure, sure, of course. Uh, no, definitely for me at that time, it was like Jason slash Rocky corresponding to Raphael. And I've always been told mm. I'm a Gryffindor. So I've, I've never considered the, the color overtones of these things. But for me, it was definitely whatever the red thing is. That was what I like gravitated towards and and was into and interested in. But yeah, so, so red's the cool color. Hell yeah. No, statistically, like, um, statistically, like at age three, red is a like on average a boy's favorite color, and it has everything to do with like fire trucks and shit and blood and blood, which and blood, which I mean I don't think I'd seen by three. I don't think I saw Akira until I was four. So Jesus Christ. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I adored this show. You know, I watched it before I would go to preschool. I would watch it before and after I got home from kindergarten. I, I very much enjoyed the show until about first or second grade. I don't remember which, but I remember it being recess and there being a bigger kid, you know, ostensibly either a second or third grader, though he might as well have been a 20 year old in my brain at that point. Um, and I must have been talking about how I liked Power Rangers or I had this one very bizarre shirt, which was Billy the Blue Ranger and Wolverine. And they were just both on a shirt in like an action pose. I'd buy that. Everybody buy that. So maybe I was wearing that shirt. Maybe I was talking about it. Maybe I was, you know, play fighting with nothing on the basketball court. And this older kid just starts totally mocking me, bullying me for liking the potty rangers. And I think about that moment <laughs> to this day, I can recall it like nothing because I think that was the first time I was ever like shamed for liking something. That was the first time anybody ever took a thing I liked and, and put a mocking, like, you know, turn of phrase on it. And it, like, it, it just broke me. It broke something in me. As soon as that kid laughed at me for liking the Potty Rangers, I was done with them for years. I, I it, it's awful. <laughs> oh, sweet boy. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my dark, depressing Power Rangers moment. Um, but you know, I, I, the reason I'm still here to talk about why I love them is, is eventually, and I'm talking like six, seven years, somewhere, somewhere around like seven, eight, seven or eighth grade. I just, uh, saw Power Ranger reruns on JetX or Toon Disney. One of those like now extinct satellite TV sub programs and just kind of had this moment of like. I loved this show. I absolutely unironically loved this show. Why the hell did I? Potty Rangers. Fuck that kid. I'm going to like this show. I'm going to get caught up. (laughs) 
they're they're samurais now or or they're in a truck or I, I don't know what the hell's going on but i'm here for it i remember trying to like keep it keep it straight once and i think i was trying to explain it like probably to like probably to my mom or something but i was like okay so that first they had the that they were dinosaur based then they kept the dinosaur costumes but they moved over to like dragon zords and they were they had dragons and then uh after that they scrapped those and they were ninjas so they still had the dinosaur outfits but they also had ninja outfits then they had the aztec warrior uh zords and that one was a little weird because there were only four zords and the pink and the white ranger shared (laughs) which didn't make a lot of sense um and then after that like those zords were destroyed and they moved over to like Zeo, which didn't make any sense. Yeah, and they like, just no said, one understood what Zeo They went was. from dinosaur helmets to, like, still dinosaur helmets, but animal zords to just straight up, he's got a star on his face. <laughs> yeah. No, you've actually... The ninja ones... The, you're right, the ninja ones had the, like, had, had the animal zords, but they weren't the same. The movie and the TV show had different, like, ways that they got there, but they both eventually kind of got there. And then, like... After Zeo, then it was Cars for some reason. And then after Cars, it was like Space. And then after Space, it was like different Space. I I gotta say, like, um, Power Rangers in Space was specifically like, for, for Power Rangers at least, like, the fucking dark Age of Apocalypse, like, intense drama soap opera one that I, I I fell back into it and just unironically, unabashedly loved it. But no, you've got the plot uh, together pretty damn well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this sequence of robots. Right, exactly. Intact. That's what I have. Um, and, and that actually, like, behind the scenes is just uh, adult Andy. It's, it's one of my favorite things because it's just so charming the the notion and, and i talked about it in breaking down what power rangers was it was always like half of it was filmed in california or wherever and that was the part where you actually had your actors and you had jason and tommy and billy and trini and kimberly and you know maybe they were wearing the costume but not the helmet and then any time mm. they fought somebody, any time the helmets got on, any time the Zords were introduced, it was cut together from the Super Sentai series, which rarely would actually like have anything to do with the actual plot of American Power Rangers. And so the farther and farther you go on to it, the, the weirder and weirder it gets and the more and more like believability it strains to the point where I'm pretty sure like... Um, the, there was the car one, Power Rangers Turbo, which they that was they it. made a friggin' movie out of. The the Japanese show that had all of the Power Rangers Turbo footage was supposed to be like this tongue-in-cheek satirical mocking the very concept of a Sentai show, and that's why their Zords are fucking cars. But, you know, for a, a kid's TV show, it was like, we don't need satire, we just need to sell a new line of toys, so we're going to go ahead and do this. My favorite thing about Power Rangers Turbo was, I think it was the Blue Ranger for some reason, the Blue Ranger was a twelve, like a twelve-year-old yep, kid, yep. and part of his transformation was after his costume was on, his body would turn into an adult. 
an adult body, and I was like, this is priming me for, like, Legend of Zelda Ocarina <laughs> of Time. Like, suddenly my child character is a full-sized adult for no real good reason other than that's just what the magic does. Right. We In Japan, they never had a child actor doing the karate, so now he's just got to grow a foot. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love it. And, like, I... I really look on especially the Mighty Morphin stuff, which I think really just is like ask 99 people what they think of with Power Rangers and they'll say something about Mighty Morphin. I, I look back on that fondly. That was this you know deep piece of nostalgia for me. Kimberly, Amy Jo Johnson was my first like real human crush. It was formative, you know? <laughs> Andy? Did you ever see a terrible TV movie with Amy Jo Johnson called Suzy Q? If you're talking about Suzy Q, I was about to say, it was certainly not terrible, and I wore down the goddamn VCR tape. I'm sure you did. You know exactly. For those of you who don't know, like, Amy Jo Johnson played the Pink Power Ranger, but she was also in a made-for-TV movie called Suzy Q. The name Suzy Q, literally, the only thing it had to do with it was that the song Suzy Q would play with it. But she played this, like, dead girl from the 1950s who came back as a ghost to, like, so, get her, I don't even so remember, dude, like, get her prom date. Yeah, a dude found her locket, and her spirit was in the locket. And, like, the thing she needed to do to be at peace was, like, they needed to see that her parents were were well off or, or something like that. Um, I'm also fuzzy on Susie Q, except for, uh, you know, the, the seminal part where she rips up her fifties prom dress into something a little bit more skin tight and revealing. And as a kindergartner, I was like, I don't know why I like this, but I love this. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh man. Yeah. Susie Q is the other reason that Amy Jo Johnson is my first crush. Oh god, she's on like an one of those like CSI or NCIS shows. She's now. a sniper. That's I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think the show is called Flashpoint or something totally generic. But the whole point is it's like a friggin' sniper team, but it's it's totally formulaic. So yeah, the Pink Power Ranger now plays a sniper on a Canadian like crime show. Jesus Christ! I mean. Jason David Frank fights MMA and comes back sometimes for the TV show. So eh. it's a living. And speaking yeah. of it, you know, J- D- uh, Jason David Frank is, is one of the other, uh, of course, most memorable parts of power Rangers, the original green Ranger, and then slash the white Ranger, you know, it, it was always, and then eventually the red eventually Ranger, the red Ranger, and then eventually a black Ranger. And then eventually like a white Ranger, like Jason David Frank very much had a fuck it. I'll be the face of the franchise kind of mentality before going off to be a legit MMA fighter. And that is just one of the most like delightful things to me is he just decided I'll be the glue that holds all this together because why the hell not? It's so good. Yeah. It just, I distinctly remember. Okay. So I mentioned the chronology there. 
there was Power Rangers in space, and then I think it was Power Rangers Galaxy. And the thing of it was, all the way up to Power Rangers in space, it was, granted, the cast kept changing as, like, Rangers left and came back and, like, switched out. But it was still one chronology with, like, Alpha and Zordon and, like... Yes, the villains would change, but it was still, like, one continuous story all the way through Power Rangers in space. And then, pointedly, at the end, like, at the end of Power Rangers in space, they, like, revealed themselves. Bulk and Skull, who were, like, their school bullies, who, like, knew who they were as far as, like, people, but... Like, always were mean to them, but, like, really admired the Rangers. Were like, oh my god, they're the Rangers? Like, it was a whole thing. And then the next season was Power Rangers Galaxy with a brand new cast and a brand new storyline. And I was like, fuck this. I hate it. I hate it. I watched, like, the first two episodes of that, and I was like, no. You don't have Zordon. You don't have Alpha. You don't have Tommy. You don't have any of the people I care about. Fuck you, Power Rangers. I'm done with you. And then I heard years later that Jason David Frank came back to play Tommy. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? They started a brand new continuity. That doesn't make any sense. Because I'm awful? I, I wouldn't say awful. I mean, you, you appreciate continuity. You and I both listen to a <laughs> fucking X-Men podcast. Like, <laughs> It's true. But yes, also you're correct. And and I, I think about it now, like I didn't even mention them in my notes. I think from a pure, like the most episodes belong to blank. It's gotta be bulk and skull because yeah, they, they sat oh, through yeah. like six or seven seasons while the rest of the actual and, Rangers swapped out. And they were in every single episode there were episodes where the power rangers went to whole other planets and they still checked in with bulk and skull at one point bulk and skull were turned into monkeys or chimpanzees and it still had their voices so even though you didn't see the actual actors their voices were in it one of my absolute favorite things and i i forget how i know this uh, the the guy who played Skull, and, and I just looked at it now, the actor's name is Jason Narvey. I found out somehow that he was like the head drama teacher at some college in like Indiana or something. So I, I just imagine, you know, he, he's trying to be an actual thespian, trying to be collegiate and, and studious and teach a class. And he has to start every semester being like, yes, I was skull in the power Rangers. No, I will not sign the poster moving on to Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I mean, that's like that's like when I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I watch Andre Brower and I'm like, you are classically trained Shakespearean actor and you just had to make a fart joke. Oh. And yes, I understand that you're probably having the time of your life on this show. You look like you're having the time of your life on this show. But you were King Lear. Eh. And you just made a fart joke. That's that's fair. Very fair, though. If Patrick Stewart has shown us anything, it's that like classically trained Shakespearean actors, once you finally get them to let their hair down. And I understand Patrick Stewart's a bad example for that expression. (laughs) 
Boo! <laughs> once once you get them to actually like make a joke, they will just do nothing but goof around for the next fifteen years. Mild shock. That's yeah. fair. So I, I you know I want to gently lead us to the close. Um, for anyone who is interested, for anybody who is sitting here being like, oh man. Power Rangers shit. I haven't thought about them in years. There are two resources I want to point you towards to uh, get reinvested if, if you so choose. Um, I mentioned there is a couple of different Power Rangers comics, and one specifically is put out by uh, they're called Boom Studios. They're kind of a you know a third mm-hmm. brand comic company, but they take all these. Uh, you know, licensed properties and then actually make comics out of them. The boom studios, power Rangers comics are actually impeccably good and fun. And it's like, it's the original five Rangers. I'm pretty sure. Plus Tommy just like having different and new adventures. Cause why the hell not? Um, sure. And there's like two or three volumes and it's, it's just fun. If you want to, you know, go out and get some new power Rangers content. If you want to look into old power Rangers content, uh, this is a guy who I discovered around the time I discovered Yahtzee funnily enough, but there's another guy on the internet who makes videos, uh, who goes by the name Linkara. Uh, he was a guy who contributed to the nostalgia critic. If, if that, uh, name rings a bell for anybody out there. Um, Linkara has a series of videos, which is literally just like the explained chronology of the Power Rangers going series by series. Uh, you know, I looked it up in research for this. The guy's got over a hundred videos and it's just like the first five of them are breaking down the Mighty Morphin era and then going into Zeo and then going into Lightspeed and then going into In Space. And they're actually really like enjoyable. I'm, I'm definitely going to catch back up on them a little later on, uh, you know, in the week. But if you want to get a taste of Power Rangers without actually having to watch the admittedly repetitive and silly episodes, uh, I, I very much recommend that. And we'll throw a, a YouTube link in the show notes. We absolutely will. Real quick, before we go to the next segment, because it just popped in my head. Did you see the reboot movie? And what did you think of it? I did, did not see the reboot movie. Um but that, that that didn't have so much to do with not being interested is just, I think that came out during a particularly busy couple of months for me. And I, I haven't tracked it down. Uh, I was very much here for, um, Oh God, what's her last name? The Elizabeth, the one Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks. Banks. I, I was very much here for Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa. And, um, the bully from Stranger Things is the Red Ranger. Mm-hmm. I, I'm aware of that. Yep. I, I have not seen the movie, but I've been meaning to. Have you seen it? I have seen it. I will tell you, if you're looking for it to adhere to the old continuity, if that's important to you, um, it will disappoint you. That said, if you're just looking for something that kind of vaguely resembles Power Rangers, but is kind of fun and different and a new updated take, I actually really enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was a solid movie on its own. You just have to divorce yourself from most of the Power Rangers, like, lore that you already know. 
that's fair. I'm I'm much more interested in something that actually manages to, you know, capture at least a little bit of the spirit. I like it a lot. Like they definitely present it like Jason is, you know, more of a troubled teen. Um Trini is queer. Uh Billy is a like black man who also may or may not have like I think they present him as being Maybe on the spectrum. Gotcha. Like, they'd make some changes that definitely make it feel fresher and have some different takes and it makes a different statement. Also, Brian Cranston as Zordon and Bill Hader voices Alpha. I'm not mad at anything you just said, so I think I'm going to have to track this down now. I I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Don't it, You have to approach it from like a, this is fun. It's a lot of okay. fun. I'm down for it. Thank you, man. So yeah, check out the Power Rangers yeah. movie and then uh, go watch some internet videos. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Shall we move forward? Heck yeah. Okay. Closing in on the 40 minute mark. <sighs> Let's see how this episode yeah. goes. Per, I mean, this is this is pretty damn standard for us. I think we're a couple minutes ahead. <laughs> eh. Shut the fuck up. Uh, okay. So... From your very lovely, wonderful, nostalgic uh, love, Andy, I want to bring us to uh, something resembling current events-ish. And um, just kind of a piss-off. Like sure. a real big piss-off. Uh, so before I get into the details of it, uh, I always, I usually like to start with a question. And I'm kind of going to ask a question of you, but, for, but, but I, but I want to set this up. So this topic that I'm about to get into was actually recommended by friend of the show, David. And he sent me a message uh, in his recommendation. And I want to read it to you, uh, Andy, and I want to get your reaction to it. Sure. So this is this is from friend of the show, David. Uh, hey, David, you're awesome. I love you. Love you, buddy. Um, and for context, David works in a store in kind of in like a suburban rural Florida area. Not quite the suburbs, not quite the rural area. I had two customers bitching about the one-way directional aisles while I was stocking shelves. One of them pointed out that they do not have to follow them, and the other turned and looked at me, parentheses, I had not been part of this conversation, parentheses closed, and said, quote, if anybody tells me to, I just tell them to fuck off. I won't let their fear impede my freedoms. End quote. Hmm. Can I get your reaction to that very brief kind of just couple of sentences story from David? Yeah. And I mean, uh, my my first impulse when I, I read this in the notes, um, I very much hate the fact that it was a pointed statement at, at David. Um, you know, I, I realize he's, I, I'm not a, as close a friend as you are. I don't know David, David's ethnicity, but I, Oh, David white, David, like German and Norwegian. Okay. But somehow is like darker than I am. So <laughs> fair enough. Okay, well, in, in any case, um, I, I don't like the antagonism. I don't like the inclusion of, 
you know, basically looking at a store employee and saying, try me motherfucker. Um, Hmm. and, and I do understand that, you know, David could certainly kick my ass five different ways and I'm sure (laughs) is, is incredibly capable in a fight. And yet my, my gut reaction was, I really hate that these two schmucks were basically, you know, threatening our, our friend. Um, mm-hmm. and I won't let their fear impede on my freedoms is such a, Ooh, that is a blue lives matter statement. If I ever heard one. <laughs> yeah, you're not, that wrong. is a blue lives um, matter Facebook post that has a minion on it. If I ever heard one in a statement, Jesus Christ. Oh fuck. That's a whole identity. You might be a redneck. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Um, I I wanted to put that forward because the the idea for this topic as presented to me by David and thank you David for the recommendation please feel free to send me recommendations for topics anytime especially for hates because they're harder to come up with than loves um David asked me to talk about as a hate the phrase it's a free country and he sent me this statement pointedly in regards to that. Now, I'm toying with that a little bit. I'm titling this section Free Country Rhetoric. I'll get into why, but I feel like it's useful to get into some definitions about this. Because this could be a very big, unwieldy topic if I don't rein it in. So, sure. Andy, if you'll indulge me. Go right ahead. Um, Cool. So we've all heard the phrase, it's a free country, kind of bandied about in movies or TV or our dad's dumbass jokes, uh, and more than a few people who take the term very, very seriously with very little interrogation. Um, And I'm thinking specifically about these two dudes in David's aisle when I talk about it being a lack of interrogation. So... On our last episode, where, um, you know, we were talking about COVID consumerism and such and the economy, um, our conversation kind of veered into a discussion about American exceptionalism. And tied up into that is the notion of freedom, quote unquote freedom. And what I really, really hate specifically, what I want to zero in on in this conversation is the use of the vague and amorphous notion of freedom to justify what I would consider evil, stupid, irresponsible, or harmful behavior. So my basic thesis is freedom, that word, is a label affixed to the ability to do certain actions without formal consequences from a societal entity. I'm not pulling that definition from any dictionary, um, but I think that's a reasonable definition of it. Um, Would you would you disagree? No, I I would agree. In fact. Okay. Okay. cool. Um, This conceit of freedom is treated as an absolute good by most of the general population, uh, at least in the United States. And that is an unexamined, inaccurate and kind of dumb view um and that's what i want to get into today sure 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 um i've been thinking about a quote that i heard in high school um ever since you know we we talked about what we were going to discuss today 
Um, and I'm not quite sure if this is the originator, but the internet is telling me that a guy named Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, my right to swing my fist ends where your nose begins. And uh, I'm Googling Oliver Wendell Holmes. That name sounds familiar. <laughs> I really hope he's not a Nazi or like some old Confederate general. <laughs> you might be a redneck. Uh, former associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, originally, uh, at least Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. was apparently an American physician and poet. Oh well, there you go. That's that's why he, uh, you know, said such a, a, a interesting turn of phrase. I'll I'll still take poet. Um, for some reason, like I had it in my head that Teddy Roosevelt said this, and and that's clearly not the case. But you know, I've been thinking about this quote a lot. My right to swing my fist ends where your nose begins, and it feels like the people in David's store would argue that it is simply their right to swing their fist, and who gives a shit where your face is in relation to that? Sure. The, the classic argument I, or the classic phrase that gets thrown around a lot, I feel, is you have free speech, but you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Sure. Yeah. Which I have no idea who said that originally, uh, and I'm not about to Google it. But, um, but yeah, like, there is, there, you know, there is this conceit of free speech. It's important. It's necessary. And it needs certain limitations and it's hard to talk about that. Right. Because I mean, um, when you think about it, pure, pure freedom, pure freedom, just the, the things that you can physically do as a person is a, if you really think about it, a, a terribly chaotic and random thought. Yeah. Um, and that, so that's actually where I kind of want to start. So the very notion that I am criticizing the concept of freedom automatically gets certain, I'm going to politely call them reactions. <laughs> um, you know, this, this is a hard subject to discuss because to anyone arguing in bad faith or who is lacking in a particular kind of intellectual rigor, rigor um, any arguments against so-called freedoms is treated as though I'm arguing for some kind of weird Orwellian dystopic society where free will is non-existent and individuality is a capital sin, you know? I, I, I think very heavily about there was a dude, there, there was an acquaintance I had um, back in college who I met at various uh, poetry events, actually spoken word poetry events and you know dude was up front he was very much a libertarian uh and i remember like he he unfriended me on facebook at some point but i remember some post he put on facebook where he was talking about some supreme court issue that was in the news and he made the statement where he was like always side on the part on the uh, always be on the side that involves more freedoms mm. that is always the right choice and i remember reading that and just being like that is a very reductive statement 
And if I'm going to sit here and try and argue with you online, which I don't recommend anybody do ever. I try very, I try personally to never have online arguments as often as possible. Uh, Andy can attest to this. There is no good entry point to that sentence, or to, to, to that argument, in a context like an online debate. Like, there's no good way for me to be like, actually, here's the problem with talking about how freedom is always a good thing. Right. Does that make sense? It, it does, because, I mean, there's there's such a knee-jerk that, that, as you say, we're going to be locked down into this this authoritarian dictator orwellian yeah orwellian is is the right word for it where we're going to control um you know every aspect of your life and tell you you like it and if you argue against that if you if you argue against that system then you're utterly wrong but how could you not argue against that system if you love freedom? I, I I totally pick up what you're putting down. Yeah, and and here's the thing: like, the reason I make the caveat about arguing in bad faith and you know not not taking you know an intellectual approach seriously is because philosophers have been arguing about freedom since there were philosophers. It's like one of the major questions of philosophy is what exactly does freedom entail? Because it, I, I feel like... I feel like a lot of people are open to, say, the criticism of, of like, okay, you have the freedom, but much like your statement, the swinging fist, uh, the right to that ends where my nose begins. I think most people understand, okay, you have the freedom to punch somebody, but you are not free from consequences of doing that. You, as a person, can choose to do this, and you may suffer consequences for that action. Totally. I haven't been in any bar fights in my life, but I've known enough people who have been in bar fights... Who are willing to say, okay, I had to make a choice in that moment that I was either going to hit and run or finish the fight and probably go to jail. And most people who are in bar fights on a regular basis seem to understand that distinction. They're making an active choice there. So philosophically speaking, there's a question as to what does that freedom mean, you know? Societally speaking, you do not have the freedom to just start a bar fight. Because at the conclusion of that bar fight, you can be pressed for assault charges by our societal entity, which is, you know, government, which is law. Are there people who would argue that, you know, if you're in a properly free country, you should have the right to hit whomever you would like, and the result would just be maybe you get hit back? Yes. Those people exist. I, 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 have, I have heard that argument. I've also heard those exact same people argue that, um, you know, if a child or a woman of smaller stature were to hit them, they have every right to hit them back with every bit of strength that they have. 
And that to me is not a serious argument because it ignores a lot of details. This is kind of the murky area that a philosophical discussion of freedom weighs into. So when I hear people justify shitty behavior with it's a free country. Okay, Stephanie told me this story while we were having dinner. She told me there was uh, an occasion where she was in a store and she was uh, in the checkout line. And there was a dad and his kid in front of them. And the kid did some some little thing, some stupid little thing sure. that a kid is going to do. And the dad, like, whacked his kid, called him a stupid idiot, and, like, told him to stop doing it. And, and Stephanie, without even thinking, like, just reacted and was like, oh, my God, don't call your kid a stupid idiot. He's going to grow up thinking he's a stupid idiot. And this dude turned to her and said, it's a free country. I can parent my kid however I want. Wow, I hate everything. What's your reaction? I fucking have a bubbling bile of... of yeah. And and to think about it, and, and sure, it is a free country, but if you lack the social responsibility to adhere to something that is what I perceive better the consequences are, are not even just your own but you know you're you, you raise somebody who's potentially going to be damaged in a way that repeats the cycle you, you do that every every thousandth person in america is a is a shitty parent and it's just going to continue a a mostly shitty cycle of child parent interactions i mean yes there is no law against whacking your kid and calling him a stupid idiot i mean there's laws about whacking your kids but you know what i mean but that doesn't mean you should do it and it's hard because it becomes subjective over what is the best way let me give you a darker example oh God. or what I consider to be a darker <laughs> example. Because this is something I think th- this is something I've legitimately thought about because, you know, I've never made any bones about my politics on this show. I don't like unnecessary governmental restrictions on civil liberties. One of those civil liberties that I take extremely seriously is free practice of religion. That is very important to me. I don't have a religion, but it's extremely important to me. Andy, are you familiar with the Christian science movement? Vaguely. There was a Christian science library in Orlando. Butterfly in the sky. Okay. So the I'm not going to get into the details and history of Christian science as a religion. All you need to know is that it is a very, very extreme sect of Christianity. And one of their tenets is that they do not believe in blood transfusions. Mm. They do not believe in organ. They do not believe in organ replacements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, They believe that that is against God. Now, if you are an adult and you are a Christian scientist and you say, because of my religion, I want to, I I know that I need a new kidney to survive. And because of my religion, I am choosing to turn down that 
that surgery. I am choosing to end my life rather than accept that surgery and accept a transplant for a kidney because it is against my religion. I would argue that adult making that decision has every right to do that. Sure, and I see where you're going with this. Yeah. My problem is when you get kids raised in that religion and their parents decide, no, my child is a Christian science scientist. I don't care that my child has leukemia. They're not getting a bone marrow transplant. Better that my child die than go against their religion. Sure, and it's not even the Christian science movement, or not even just the Christian science movement. You know, um, John Travolta's son famously died because Scientology said he couldn't have his anti-seizure medication. Um, And we, we don't even have to point to religion uh in this way just you know you you talked about it in your written notes to me think about the anti-vaxxer movement there uh, and that's absolutely a thing there as well i think the reason i bring up christian scientists is because i fully believe like i i would legitimately go to a demonstration for defending religious liberty i would I would absolutely support that cause. That's an important, to me, that is an essential freedom for this country to protect. And I draw my line at kids. Sure. And 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 with anti-vaxxers, like, you're not looking at that from a religious perspective. But, you know, that is a good point, you know. I'm a big believer in bodily autonomy. It's one of the reasons I am militantly pro-choice. And I get the issue of, like, injecting kids with chemicals. Here's the difference. Those chemicals save their lives. And by not injecting kids that can have the vaccines, you are putting at risk kids that can't. Immunocompromised kids, that kid who we may be saved from leukemia by giving a bone marrow transplant, can't have certain vaccines because they're immunocompromised. So if they're in school with a whole bunch of crunchy-ass California children whose moms decided that it wasn't a good idea to vaccinate and whose dads supported that and and whose schools allowed them to be in that space... Without vaccinations, that kid with leukemia who would have been vaccinated otherwise, who probably wanted to be vaccinated but didn't get the ability, didn't have the ability to because they were immunocompromised, is at risk for fucking polio. Yeah, because crunchy people needed freedom to abuse their children, and it's a free country. You know, I'm reflecting on it. I don't think I've ever heard somebody who wasn't just instantly identifiable as an asshole say, eh, it's a free country. The only people I ever hear that from are like dads who fart at the dinner table. And someone says like, why don't you get up and do that in another room? And they just go, it's a free country. (laughs) Which admittedly is an asshole move, but like... It's not letting your child die. Sure, sure. It's definitely on the other end of that spectrum. Sure. Oh, man. Just 
it's so hard. It's so it's such a it, even you know I I was qualifying a statement I said earlier by saying how I feel would be better because I can sit here and state my subjective opinion of what I feel would be better and and what policies I feel like would be better and and I truly believe that and, and I feel like if I you know, went ahead and did the data mining and the research, I could point to reasons why I feel like it's better to not smack your kid in a target or um, not give your kid a flu vaccine. I, I feel like I can back that up. And yet somebody else out there is just going to just as equally and just as, uh, justifiably in their own mind have the opposite and complete counterpoints to me the thing that i've said in the past is that i can make an argument for anything i've probably i think i've talked about this on the show before i was a debate kid in high school part of what you're taught in debate is to like you will frequently show up to like a lincoln douglas style debate which is a one-on-one person debate, and you will have a resolution. Resolved, vaccines should be uh, 100% mandated for everyone who can biologically handle them. And you have to show up to the debate prepared to make an argument for either side because you will find out when you show up, they will flip a coin and tell you, okay, you called heads, heads gets pro, tails gets con. And you have to be prepared to make either one of those arguments. Granted, it's usually much more vague things than that. Um, it's usually not something so scientifically cut and dry. Sure, sure. But, but it's it's resolutions along these lines. Uh, and because I was trained in that, in my education, because I was trained in rhetoric, I can make an argument for anything. I can make an argument for fascism. I would never, I wouldn't agree with a single thing I said, but I could make that argument. I could articulate those points. Just because an argument can be made does not mean that every argument and every viewpoint is equally valid. Yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. I I don't want to take pot shots at religion over and over again. I don't. But I feel like this is a good example. I have had the conversation with people of a certain devotion to a let's be frank um evangelical christian bent and viewpoint who have said to me well without religion there is no such thing as a moral absolute as an ethical absolute and if there's no such thing as an ethical absolute there's no such thing as right and wrong so there's an argument that you can do anything you want and it's equally justifiable. And I hear that and I go, I can make that argument for you. I know I get every point you're about to make. And I would argue that's invalid. Any question 
can have an argument. The point is to get the best argument you can, the best point that you can, the best viewpoint that you can. Because just because I can make an argument for fascism or the right to kill anybody who just pisses me off by cutting me off in traffic or stealing or whatever ethical thing you decide that you want to ban or make illegal or make a problem doesn't mean that every one of those arguments is equally fucking valid. You have to have the actual debate. You have to have the argument. Yeah, that's what we have, uh, you know, elected Supreme Court officials for. And, uh, uh, you know, even that sometimes fails us. But, you know, that's what Solomon and 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 the kings of old and, and, you know, Confucius and and like you said, philosophers for time and random have been like trying to figure this thing out. And I, I think we can point to a, 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 a quality about where the line in freedoms is. The, the word social responsibility has been flittering around my head. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's, it, you know, you, you are free to do anything until... And, and, you know, this ties all the way back into my first point of my fist in your nose. You are free to do something until it causes harm onto others. And that is the moment where whether a law says you can do something or not, that is the moment where there is a, a, a debate in oneself about you should or should not do the thing. And we're in the fucking time of COVID where, yeah, those, those one way aisles are there so that somebody can like not catch the deadly disease when they are 72 and have asthma, or it's at least a preventative measure against that. So yeah, you walk the way the arrows point and you don't be an asshole about it. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm absolutely with you because, you know, those those two assholes in the store. And and this is the point that I want to end on. Do I think that there should be some kind of regulatory enforcement of the directions in the aisles? I have my qualms about that, especially because I understand. And, and I don't think if you're reading the news right now, even badly, there isn't an argument, you don't understand this argument, who enforces those rules will have their own biases and they will probably enforce them poorly. Such that two white dudes in that aisle who are not going in the same, in the right direction versus two dudes who look like me or look like a George Floyd doing the exact same thing are going to see very different results from those actions. So I think there's an argument to be had about what the response is. But the idea that they say the suggestion, the recommendation, the request, or even the requirement within that store that no one is forcing them to be in, that they should, that that it is an impediment to their freedom 
that they go in a certain direction in the aisle shows to me a fundamental lack of understanding about what the word freedom is. And in this country, nobody fucking knows what it means because nobody's fucking thinking about it. I fucking hate that, Andy. (laughs) I hate when people don't think and have very strong opinions. I, I love a strong opinion. I love a good debate. But I don't want to have it with people who aren't thinking about what the fuck they're saying when they use a phrase like, I won't let their fear impede on my freedom or it's a free country. I can parent my kid how I want. That's That just makes me want to hold like copies of Camus books and throw them in faces violently. Well, that feels like the perfect juxtaposition of intent versus action. <laughs> this is why everyone hates moral philosophy professors. Yeah, I know. The lesson here, read about freedom, be informed, carry small copies of the myth of Sisyphus and throw them in the faces of idiots. I love it. I'm here for it. And my heart bleeds for you, my friend, because I I completely, you know, get what you're talking about. And it's just because you, you know, you know, you know, if and and part of me feels like I should be saying when, but if either of those two guys gets covid and gets laid up and gets put in a fucking iron lung or gets their leg amputated which is a possibility with this disease, they're going to be lamenting their situation. And they're certainly not going to be sitting there being like, well, you know what? It was my right to walk the other way and, and cough in that person's face and have them cough in mine. So, eh, got it. Got to stick to your, your morals. Speaking of morals, you want to get to our question? <laughs> yeah. I love this one. This question's great. Uh, uh, okay. Um, do you, I think I read the last one. Uh, do you want to read this one? Sure. All right. This comes from us from our, uh, friends at relationships.txt. Is it wrong for me, a 25 year old female to have a sugar daddy while in a relationship with my boyfriend who is a 23 year old male? My boyfriend and I are both musicians newly living together. We overall have an awesome, loving relationship. Today, someone emailed me saying that they came across my Instagram page and wanted to be my sugar daddy, giving me money and gifts in exchange for long conversations. I com- I was completely transparent with my boyfriend, named Kyle, whether that's the real name or not, I don't know, as soon as I received what? the message and I showed him the email. I would never send any inappropriate photos of any kind, nor would I speak in a dirty manner. I would only engage in appropriate conversations like that of a friend. I would never entertain anything inappropriate. At first, my boyfriend said that this was messed up and shut down the idea. He then said I would be allowed to do this if I outsourced to someone else to converse with the man and if Kyle got the boyfriend tax. He said he wanted 50-50. I personally think that Kyle getting 50% is a bit much considering he would be getting it for not doing anything. I also don't wish to outsource because I don't trust someone else to speak on behalf of me, and I don't need someone else knowing my business. 
Kyle asked if I would mind if the roles were reversed, and I said I would not mind him speaking to an older woman in a friendly basis in exchange for money and gifts if I knew about all of it. Am I wrong for not thinking it's a big deal to see what happens with talking to the man while keeping my boyfriend fully in the loop and giving him 50%? And and as is custom, I'm going to let you answer first, but just real quick, I, I want to quote Anansi from the show American Gods real quick. Oh, dear. No! <laughs> Fuck no! <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Oh God, we got to give this person a name, Andrew. That's Jesus true. Christ. We do need to give this person a name. Um, <laughs> only because they they cited the boyfriend as Kyle. My gut is I really just want to call this person Stan Marsh, even though it is a uh, a woman. But that's what you know. What I'm not mad about it. Okay, Stan and Kyle. <laughs> We've got Stan Marsh. And Kyle Broflovsky. Because why the fuck not? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. So I'm starting with this yes, one. I, I, I spoiled my thoughts on the matter, but you go ahead. Okay. I, 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 I feel like I have to address two things here, Stan. First of all, hey... Sugar daddy situation, if you think this is on the up and up, you're fully transparent about it, your boyfriend is not, like, relationally uncomfortable with it, okay. I'm, I'm I'm fully down for you entering this sugar baby scenario. Like, that's totally cool. Um... If, if he had objections, you say he had objections at the top. If he had objections, I think they would need to be a conversation, not an immediate shutdown. Um, but I do think that there's something worthwhile to, you know, giving consideration for your partner's feelings as you're, you know, cultivating your relationship. Uh, obviously, your body is yours. Your time is yours. You have full autonomy. Um, and you, if you were to decide, no, I want to do this, you have a problem with it, fuck you, I'm leaving, that would be perfectly valid. If you were to decide, hey, I want my relationship to continue, my boyfriend has said he has a problem with this, I want to respect his comfort levels, I'm not going to do it, also valid. Um, so, that part, all good. What the fuck is this 50% bullshit? What the lying fuck is this 50% do y'all share finances do y'all have a shared bank account right now because you just said you're living together that's all you said you're doing and I'm assuming that you do not have shared bullshit if your if your boyfriend needs to be bribed to be okay with this your boyfriend Stan is a piece of shit a horrible... Oh my god, I just realized we made Kyle, Kyle Broflovsky, who is constantly mocked for being Jewish, and this boyfriend sounds greedy as fuck. Yeah. That was not intentional. Yeah, I'm this. Um, <laughs> yes. We're already halfway in. We gotta continue, but, like, Kyle is a greedy piece of shit. Not because we named him after a Jewish character, just independently of that, he is a greedy piece of shit, and he should not be entitled to a 
fucking cent of your money. And it's really problematic that he's like asking for that in order to be okay with this, especially because you are absolutely right. He's asking for a 50-50 split, but he's also asking that it be outsourced. I'm assuming he wants that outsourced to be paid. But if it's 50-50, I'm assuming he doesn't want his cut interfered with that. And you're right. He's doing absolutely jack shit for it. So I think you need to reassess some shit with Kyle because he sounds kind of horrible in this situation. Not for having maybe qualms with it happening, but for demanding 50% to be okay with it. Andy? Yeah, that's that's a bit where I fall on it. Like, are you wrong for not thinking it's a big deal to see what happens? And fuck no. Like, here, here, here's what I think. You guys mentioned you're living together. My wife and I live together and we don't have a shared bank account. We each have our separate bank account, but like our money is, is not tied up in such a way where she will not like pay for something for me or she will not split a bill. The The thing Kyle needs to understand is it's not like you're just going to be using the sugar daddy money exclusively on yourself. And even if you did, um, that would be perfectly your right. But I, I get the sense, you know, you say you're in a loving relationship. You guys live together. You both uh, are in lines of work that can sometimes be very hard on finances. I, my um, initial take was that the sugar daddy money would be used for the benefit of both of you. I think it's perfectly reasonable for Kyle to say that he wants to be privy to the conversations and, you know, maybe even sign off on stuff before you send it. And, uh, you know, it is not an uncommon thing for a sugar daddy, sugar baby situation to not be sexual in any way, shape or form. But you also stand seem like a smart enough girl where you would be able to catch on if the sugar daddy started trying to allude to anything further than just paying for friendly conversation and shut it down where this gets really weird. And, and where I say, you know, I'm glad you have a loving relationship, but here is a problematic part of it is the idea of your boyfriend asking for a cut he, he uses the word boyfriend tax. A tax is like 20%. He's asking for half of the money and trying to get you to outsource the work in the first place. Like, that's not okay, Kyle. Come on. I, 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 I think you need to have a conversation with Kyle discuss how the finances are planned on being used, you know? And I absolutely do not think that he needs a cut of the money other than you're going to be paying for the next hot date night, or rather your sugar daddy is going to be paying for the next hot date night. And he's going to be able to enjoy that with you. Like this is a, this is a situation where if he just does nothing other than, you know, uh, monitor the conversations to his comfort level, which is valid. But if he does nothing more than that, there is a gain for him. There is a net profit for him. 
And he's just really risking of screwing this thing up by asking for half of the money, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I'm exactly with you. I'm like, what the fuck, you know? Like, your boyfriend sounds like a piece of shit, Stan. Like, a, an enormous piece of shit. Like, when I first read this title, you know, I was I, like, I'm not going to lie. When I search through the relationship.txt questions, I'll usually scroll down for a bit, look for something, you know, a little fun, maybe a little juicy, a little unique. <laughs> um, sure. And I saw, and I, and I saw one about like, is it wrong for me to have a sugar daddy while in a relationship with my boyfriend? I thought this might be interesting. I, I didn't think it was a home run just based on the title, like, because to me. No, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as all parties are consenting and everything's okay, like, well, yeah, there's nothing wrong and with real that. Real quick, I just want to make my, my point clear. There would be nothing wrong with it if there was a sexual component and all parties were consenting. Like, which yeah. is a thing that absolutely happens. What do you think, like, every other OnlyFans account is? I, no, and I mean, like, if you're if you're involved at all, just like with uh, like because I'm involved with sex education Twitter, I'm also involved with sex worker Twitter, and sex worker Twitter is filled with people who are in committed loving relationships and are also sex workers, and that is awesome. That is perfectly fine because sex work is work. Official stance of love hate relationship. Being a sugar dad, be, being a sugar baby, totally valid, totally cool. And you can be in a good, loving, committed, wonderful relationship in that scenario as long as all parties are comfortable with it. And, and you know, admittedly, like if Kai, again, if this entire thing had ended with my boyfriend said this was messed up and shut down the idea. And if you from there said like. I don't like his reaction. I, I think I would like to do this, et cetera, et cetera. I would probably be sitting here and going like, look, you have a right to do this if you want to do it. You have the freedom to do this if you oh, want to do it. I see what you did there. And if your boyfriend has a problem with it, it may mean the end of your relationship. And the thing is, if he chooses to walk away from the relationship because he's not comfortable with that, that is something he is entitled to do because he, everyone has their own levels of monogamy or non-monogamy that they're comfortable with. And his level of monogamy or non-monogamy is just as valid as yours. And if those are incompatible, your relationship's just not going to work. And that's okay. You can part ways amicably. But... But he wants half your money. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, and, and we're of course going to post this uh, on the thread and hopefully there's some way that you are seeing this Stan. Um, probably going to cut this together and try to get it out a little sooner for, you know, just giving you an expedient answer to this question. You asked the internet, we are on the internet. So we answering the question. I, I think, you're getting yourself a, a sugar daddy who you can have like conversations with and be paid for your time and see if you can get some sort of like dollar per word situation going. Um, and you need to have a conversation with your awesome, loving relationship partner. 
let him know he's really not being very awesome or loving by saying that I'm only okay with this if I get a cut. Either square up with you're not okay with it, and that is a different situation, or be okay with it and accept that you're going that Kyle is going to, you know, financially benefit from this relationship in at least some way. But it's not his sugar daddy. So really he doesn't like there's there's no point where money should come into it for him other than the the joint benefit of of you having a second source of income. And yeah, so in, enjoy the sugar daddy. Let us know how that goes. We'd love to hear back from you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you have a sugar daddy. He wouldn't ask. <laughs> Go ahead. He wouldn't ask for 50% of your money from a gig that he didn't play on, would he? And if he did, then boy, we, uh, we have discovered a problem. Ugh. Eat a dick, Kyle. Andy, close us out. So that's love-hate relationship. If you have a sugar daddy and your relationship is uh, on the rocks and you want to ask our perfectly unqualified advice, also doesn't have to be about a sugar daddy. It could be about, you know, a co-worker or a friend, a member of the family, anything that can be a relationship. You can send those into love-hate relationship podcast at gmail.com where we promise we'll read them. Absolutely. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hey, Mom. Um, We would also love it. Absolutely adore it. We would be so over the moon joyful if you reviewed us on any or maybe all of those. Uh, And you can also tweet us at LHRPod. That's L-H-R-P-O-D with your questions. And follow us there to keep up with new episodes. We uh, we briefly mentioned some of the Power Rangers movies. And if that particularly piqued your interest, I have a cult film podcast that I do with the incomparable Stephanie Johnson. And I'm... This is a total guess, but I think by time of release, I will be doing a very special episode uh, with a very special guest on the show as we watch Clerks. But whether whether that is uh, that episode is out or not, that is cult fiction, and you can find it on Twitter or any of the platforms Alex just mentioned. You can also find me, Andy Bowell, on Twitter at JovoCop2113. And I realize listening back to episodes that I have not been giving my full Twitter handle uh, and have been stopping it short of my last name. So uh, for all of you, I am at a underscore X underscore R U I Z uh, on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Please follow me on any or all of those. Uh, and watch the one TikTok that I have where I just do kind of a weird lip sync to a one. one it's a good I, time. I don't know. It, it can vouch. Uh, <laughs> can vouch. We'll watch again. Uh, and then on on Twitter and Instagram, I'm just angry all the time. Thanks for listening, y'all. As always, tell your enemies. <laughs>